Okay, welcome to America This Week. I'm Matt Taibbi. And I'm Walter Kern. Uh, well, this is a... Um, this is a historic, unique uh, situation. Uh, this show, Walter and I uh, talked a lot uh, across the week about how we were going to do the show because it's uh, kind of a quandary for both of us. Um, as opposed to looking at something in a glib way, uh, reviewing how a thing is being talked about, uh, the events of the last week call for uh, more urgent questions to be talked, discussed, and addressed. And um, it's not it's not my usual territory. So I'd like to sort of turn it over, Walter, to you. I think you have a better idea about how to how to lead into the topic of what happened um, in Gaza last week. Yeah. Well, in Israel first. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. What's happening in Gaza has yet to be revealed, uh, and much will happen that we can't anticipate now. Um, you know, Matt, I, I, a week ago, uh, you and I were in New York. We met. Uh, we had dinner. Um, life was normal. Uh, as normal as it gets in this strange period of history. Um, and uh, only a couple of days later, something terrible had happened, uh, a real-world historical event, which is unique in my lifetime in some ways. Um, uh, when Israel was attacked, uh, I at first, uh, and it reminds me of 9-11, uh, was a little confused as to what was happening. Uh, it's, it's the impossible seemed to have occurred. Uh, there was a major incursion into Israel, what I had thought to be a fairly impe impregnable nation fortress, and it was on a large scale. It wasn't, uh, you know, a few terrorists getting in. Uh, it was a concerted, orchestrated, wide scale, and incredibly deadly and barbaric attack that didn't leave room for detachment and still doesn't in some ways. Uh, as much as I want to revert completely to my uh, journalist self and, and, and step back and look at this thing from 40,000 feet, it's not truly possible at the moment. I'm still the captive of my original and quite human and organic responses to things. And very simply, those were of horror. Um, I, uh, as much as anyone, am skeptical and uh, analytic when it comes to, you know, propaganda and, and, and the way things are talked about and the way they're presented. But that mood hasn't been possible so far for me. Uh, I, I can only speak as a person and, you know, a father and uh, a friend uh, to a lot of people who in some way were affected by this, my Jewish friends, um, and continue to be. And I can't help but feel that um, what's called for first before any further discussion is an expression of uh, distinct mm, revulsion 
over an attack on civilians that was meant to terrorize, meant to horrify, meant to demoralize. Um, as it happens, uh, it has had some reflections in America in terms of, you know, protests and uh, a lot of a lot of rhetoric going across social media. Um, I've stepped back a little from social media, to be frank, uh, because I, I, I don't want to I don't want to get caught in this whirlpool. Um, and also because I recognize that what we're looking for forward to is war uh, at, at a scale that we don't yet know. Uh, it could be a, a limited war in which Israel goes and removes Hamas, whatever that means, from Gaza. And we stand by and, you know, try to keep it from spreading or whatever we, whatever we are trying to do. I, I, the, the, the foreign policy um, agenda of our uh, government is not completely clear to me. Uh, I don't know, you know, if this was 30 years ago, it would be a kind of wholehearted backing of Israel, a very simple uh a very simple uh, problem for our for our government but because we now have uh, you know, a rapprochement of some kind with iran uh it, it it's not uh it's not black and white like it used to be so i i can't predict what we'll do i i and i don't have real insight into what something like the state department is thinking um but but anyway, to just narrate my responses, that that horror has really not abated because we're now um, subject to continuing imagery out of uh, Israel of a kind that I hoped I'd never see. I certainly hoped my children would never see. And even though I know because of the laws of uh, you know narrative news making that. Two weeks from now, maybe some of what we've seen will be proved to be two hours from now. Yeah, or two hours now will prove to be inaccurate, perhaps, or so on. I I, I don't yet discern inauthenticity, basic inauthenticity in what I'm seeing. I, I think I'm seeing reality largely in terms of the slaughter. Um, uh, in terms of although you you've already brought up a question that um that i think is more real than it was in 9-11 for sure which is there's something there is something implausible about the idea that they had no no conception uh that this was coming um you know we found out after 9-11 that uh you know there were there were a number of people within the american enforcement community who were actually following those hijackers member uh, Colleen Rowley uh the whistleblower at the FBI and she became one of the she was on time magazine as a person of the year after she came forward and talked about how the FBI was actually you know they they had these guys under surveillance they they, they could easily have um detected this thing before it happened so human error happens i mean i i once interviewed one of the um 
one of the former Soviet uh, military people or Air Force people who was involved with um, the episode when Matthias Rust uh, landed in Red Square. Mm -hmm. uh, so errors happen, uh, but this is um. There, there is a question that we're going to have to find out somewhere. I think, I think eventually the story is going to come out that somebody actually saw something and didn't act on it, or misread something, or uh, anyway. Sorry, that's a, that's a that's a diversion, but I, I think that's a question that does need to be answered. Yes, and 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 I have a feeling that because there are powerful interests involved in the sort of answers that might emerge, it won't, it won't come quickly and it won't be uh, universally uh, acceptable uh, to, many, to many minds. Um, but, but as I say, having just watched this bomb go off, as it were, and just seen the images of its victims and, and believing without real any any doubt those images to reflect the actual state of things i'm still in shock and i and that and i want to put my journalist hat on and i want to look at this thing and i believe it's my responsibility to look at it with a little bit of cold-bloodedness as it were because in any rush to war uh those voices which are committed to an overview of the situation are very valuable. Um, uh, if we're all going to run around um, simply acting out of passionate, uh, nervous energy uh, to our initial feelings about something, we could end up in a very terrible place. So, so I don't think it's wrong to step back even this early and, and, and sort of look at things in that bird's eye way but but what i wanted to say first was uh, that in a narrative of my own responses and in a sort of uh human way uh I, i'm still reeling um i have two children who are young adults both of whom came to me thank goodness god bless them for some uh guidance and and, and perspective on what was going on um, and, uh, I don't know that I was able to provide it in any satisfying way. Uh, uh, I, I can only tell them that I've been, you know, I'm 60 years old and, and my entire life in some ways, I've been watching this conflict as a child and then a teenager and a college student and a young adult watching the wars in the Middle East, the, uh, specifically the wars that Israel has fought. And it has been my, and, and, and I'm going to do this on the basis of, of, of sort of, uh, you know, laying my cards on the table. It has been my position through the years, probably formed almost unconsciously as a child, that I have sympathized with the Israeli predicament. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, the Bob Dylan song, Neighborhood Bully, country surrounded and besieged and attempting to consolidate the Jewish people who, have, who survived the Holocaust 
in a way that would allow them to defend themselves in the future. Uh, that was the that was the basis of my understanding of what Israel was and and, and of its rights to defend itself. Um, so so here we find ourselves, uh, uh, you know, less than a week into what I think is a, a, an event as as m momentous as 9-11 and maybe more so in some ways, because we have to understand that it wasn't the United States that was attacked. It was a much more vulnerable, much smaller, and much more historically um, aggrieved population. And uh, not aggrieved for no reason. <laughs> properly aggrieved and properly frightened. Um, and, 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 I, and I will say, you know, as I end this kind of uh, preamble, that the outbreaks of anti-Semitic um, rhetoric and, and passion that I've seen in the United States really do disturb me. It's been, you know, whoever we are, we're formed in youth by the morality of the moment. And I guess I came up after, after World War II had just sort of settled. And, um, and the reality of the Holocaust was in literature, in society, and in people I met who had relatives was, was grim and vivid. Uh, and so I bring that, I bring that to my experience of this in a way that perhaps my children don't. Um, and, and, and in some ways, not wanting to call myself an elder, you know, at 60, 61, but knowing that in some sense uh, that, that, that role has been foisted on me, I want to attach what's going on to a longer story. But I don't pretend to be a history of Middle Eastern affairs. Um, I, I, I listened last night to some Twitter spaces um, in which uh, people were trying to adjudicate this, this, this conflict. And frankly, I gave up because it, it, it all had it descended into these rather arcane arguments about, uh, about the history of Israel, its wars, and the Palestinian situation, all of which are uh, absolutely relevant, but none of which provide any real solutions for the person who is trying to live through this as a, as a responsible, informed citizen at the moment. Uh, uh, you know, we all, we all have a chance to go back and, and, and look at what we believe to be the fouls and the strikes on various sides in the past, but we're in a we're in we're in a loaded moment now, and and I think to ignore that is to is to be a little unrealistic. Well, I think before the show we were talking about this, and you compared it um, to the beginning of COVID uh, a little bit at the at the very outset of a jolt, uh, a momentous uh, story. You'll be overwhelmed by information. And it can take years before you know exactly what you're looking at. Um, is that right? I mean, what, what, what were you thinking? What, what, what was your, the, the comparison you were trying to make there? Well, I, I, I mean, it, first of all, it's an admittedly 
a limited comparison. Uh, um, these two events. I, I bring are it not, up because I because I have a yeah, thought about it later. But yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, that are these two events are not like each other exactly. But as COVID was rolling out, as the news about it was coming out, there was an apocalyptic sense of uh, you know a disease of uh, of terrible uh, import descending quickly, uh, people having to act. Uh, rather immediately, maybe, you know, to, to protect themselves, um, a, a sense of, uh, of, of, of menace in the air that I think caused a lot of people to, to go to rather extreme um, to, to fall into rather extreme behavior and, and thought patterns before they had information um you know the fact is we're americans we're not we're not in israel now. um i'm not uh you know i have lots of friends who have relatives there and uh go back and forth and and for whom it's an it's an intimate reality as it isn't for me but 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 i i do worry that everyone police their uh responses at this point, do as much as they can to get good information to um, and, and to use some wisdom about how these how these events roll out. Uh, you know, in some ways, it's more than COVID. I guess it's like nine eleven. Um, uh, but uh, because what we do now and what we think now could have massive implications for our well being in the future. Uh, as much as I do have a deep and, you know, human and, and sort of irresistible response, I do see the virtue of some, some degree of, uh, of detachment, if that's the word. Mm -hmm. as we, because, because decisions are going to be, you know, I hope that we are in on these decisions. I hope I hope that America has a chance to discuss, argue, uh, get angry with itself, um, negotiate, and so on in response to this. That we aren't simply driven to one, uh, you know, to one conclusion. Uh, I hope there's time for debate and thought and so on. Uh, I don't know that what we did in response to nine eleven, ultimately looking back was very helpful. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that the Iraq war as much argue, as it would, Yeah, very much the opposite. Yeah. 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 In, in some ways we have a chance. We always have a chance after a catastrophe, after an attack to um, learn a little. And uh, that in retrospect was used as the basis for a war that was unnecessary, especially in Iraq. Um, and uh, I hope that that, does, that that doesn't develop in the same way. I, I hope we don't take the emotional charge from this thing, or I hope that the people who, who run things don't take the emotional charge from this thing and use it for ends that really don't relate to it and will end with us in more trouble than we started.
Well, the reason I brought up the COVID example, um, which I thought was a good one that you, that you mm-hmm. mentioned, is because, um, well, let me back up for a moment. Especially this week, but really for a long time, I, I'm constantly asked, like, how come you never weigh in on Israel and Palestine? But especially this week, uh, you know, I, I, like you, I kind of backed off social media. Um, I haven't said a whole lot and, you know, not to make this about me, but this is when this is part of the way to talk about this, this issue. Uh, so how do I view the, the job of, um, being in the media? So for me, usually typically it starts with, um, an educational process, you know, a journalist's first job is to learn the thing, right? You like if you get assigned to do cover a topic, you have to learn as much as you can about it, um, as quickly as you can. And typically, you do this in stages. So you you take a little piece of it and you learn everything there is to know. Um, it's like cramming for a test. You learn, uh, you know, what happened in Incident X, or you know what. What is a mortgage-backed security? How does that work? You, you, you learn that, you describe that. And then over a very, very long process, um, you learn a whole bunch of things. But you never, you, the job isn't to reveal to the audience what's going on in the um, incoherent, confused, uh, emotional uh, world that is your private self. That's why you, you know, we don't talk about uh, on the air. We don't talk about, um, you know, the confusing, difficult things that we go through with our families. We, we don't give away. Uh, a lot of us don't give away our uh, what we think about, you know, whom to vote for or what our ideologies are. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, a writing teacher once described this to me as having sufficient distance. Like you have to that um that part of you that feels a lot and but the feelings are sometimes incoherent you have to keep that separate um Mm -hmm. from the audience but then um after a period of time if you've done enough research and you've learned enough eventually you will you will have strong clear feelings about certain things and Mm -hmm. that is when you step in and you and you do uh and you have an editorial um, type, uh, you know, article. Uh, you may having a, a fairly good sense of what the entire landscape of all the issues is. Uh, say this is definitely crazy. That uh, this is worthy of ridicule, et cetera, et cetera. But you you don't you don't go to that step before you've learned an awful lot. Um, and so for, like, for instance, for COVID, um, it took a long time for me to understand a lot of the issues. I didn't know a lot of the science and, um, and I, I didn't realize that certain people were right and certain people were lying and, and this is difficult to work out uh, at mm-hmm. first with this issue. Um, you know, there's no way around talking about you know, in, in the immediate, you have to, as you say, you're first, you're in shock. Uh, There's some horror. And 
what I see everywhere is everybody rushing to take these very, very strong stances and they do it with anger and, um, and hatred for people who have not similarly come to a quick conclusion about things, or it's people who have a, a lengthy background in these issues and they've, um, and they don't understand why you're not rushing to their side immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, the reason I hesitate is because I, I can never get to a place where I can justify the, sort of the wanton killing of civilians. Um, no matter what happens, no matter how aggrieved the people are, I, I can't get behind that. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I've, over the years, I've had to do stories on um, Palestine. Uh, I had to do stories about the suppression of Palestinian speech. Um, I've covered pro-Palestinian protests. I've had to spend a lot of time with people in the Palestinian community. Um, I've had to do a little bit of reporting about Gaza. I, I, from what I learned, the, I completely understand a lot of the the anger um, and. You know, we can talk later about uh, Israel's policies there, um, but I can never get to the place where paragliding into, um, you know, a music festival and, and gunning down civilians, I, I'm, where I'm okay, okay with that. Uh, similarly, I, I can't get to the place where I, I understand bombing uh, civilian areas. Um, which we did after 9-11. Um, I mean, I remember the shock and awe campaign. And I know Americans were really, really angry at that time, uh, even though it was years later after 9-11. But, you know, the killing of civilians, I, I, I just can't understand that. So the, it comes down to question, larger questions like, um, was this... Uh, What's the strategic reason for what Hamas did? Are they trying to accomplish something? Are they trying to end a policy uh, that's so grotesque that it would that it could ever be justified? And I don't know the answers to those questions. It might take years to, to work through some of these things. So we can, all we can do right now is just react to um, you know what we've been told and, and talk about what some of the information is. And I, I don't know. I guess we should we should start with that. What 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 are the main points of information so far that we've been given uh we know about the well maybe you should you should walk us through some of those well i mean uh just a thought on a point you made if and this is just off the top of my head but if 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 hamas was attempting to um redress the the confinement of the Gazans, the Gaza Strip, uh, I'm afraid they failed miserably because I don't think uh, things are going to get better there. I mean, uh, if this was an emotional outburst of of rage and violent anger, uh, and that is a success in its own right by some definitions to some who are so angry, then fine but i don't know that it's i don't know that that this is a kind of normal uh play for uh in, in some sort of heightened negotiation I, I think disaster 
looms. I think disaster looms for the people of Gaza. I don't think they've been particularly well served by this in their fight for whatever it might be. Um, what was your question? What's, what, what are the facts? What's actually happened? How do we, what's the TikTok of things, you know? Um, yeah, well, let's walk, let's walk through that. And, and, just, and just to respond to that quickly, like I've already seen people talking about um, the background. Some of the background here is that the United, that Israel and Saudi Arabia and Israel and some of the other Arab states have been moving toward, you know, sort of rapprochement, uh, mm-hmm. like a kind of detente uh, of a sort that hasn't existed for a while, which has isolated the Palestinians in a way that they haven't really been isolated uh, politically, mm-hmm. uh, apart from their relationship with Iran. Mm-hmm. They, they're losing some of their allies in the Arab world. And I've seen some people explain this as, a desperation move to try to either bring about open war that would involve Iran or to draw some of the Arab allies to their side. I agree with you that I don't think this is a way to do it. Um, but well, it's certainly know, that, that not, it's certainly not a way to do it in human terms, but I don't think it was a way to do it in, in, in strategic terms either. Uh, Unless they're playing a game that is far beyond my ken, and that probably is true. Uh, It's possible. I mean, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Now, I I, I certainly think it might be. Yeah, finish that thought. Sorry. You think it it could be? be, I think some of some of the calculations that that are going on in in this conflict are beyond my ability to really rationally understand. yeah, because I haven't been through some of this experience, but still, anyway, um, go go ahead. Well, I what I wanted to speak to was that uh, comment you made originally about uh, the rush to take a stand and declare yourself, especially in the social media age. One of the difficulties I've had this week, and I hesitate to talk about my own difficulties when people across the ocean or having the most intense difficulties it's possible to have in life is that I'm not the kind of person who puts flags on his Twitter account. Okay. I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not the kind of person who will be rushed into, you know, signs of solidarity. As a journalist, I, 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 it's, it's anathema to me. Uh, I don't know that I've ever told anyone who I've voted for publicly. Uh, I don't know that I've ever suggested that anybody else vote for someone. Um, uh, I suppose some of it can be discerned between the lines. When people try to do that with me, they often get it wrong. So so successfully have I disguised my uh, actual feelings. Um, But but you know I, I I don't I don't stand with people. I don't put black squares on my Twitter account or Ukrainian flags or American flags for that matter. Um, and uh, so when I, when I feel pushed to uh, 
side, take sides, have solidarity, declare a position, I fade back. That's me. Um, it's a kind of modesty, I'd like to think, not cowardice, as it's often interpreted, because, um, first of all, it's well, not it's, my it, job. It, it, isn't it also a little bit part of the ethics of the job? It's absolutely part of the ethics of the job. And I, and I also feel that all this standing with and waving flags and kneeling and, you know, wearing a mask, even though you don't think it works and all of these visible shows of uh, an alliance with this or that faction create real problems in society. Uh, they, they are the very levers by which we are uh, manipulated, um, and and they are the results of manipulation, and they allow people to be divided and conquered and turned against each other, and they stop thought, and they uh, uh, block inquiry, and they don't allow people to change more than anything. You know, uh, sorry, I changed my mind and I'm pulling that flag down. That doesn't happen right. a lot. Once, once people have been prodded into declaring themselves, what they tend to do is Walla. at all costs defend their initial declaration rather than go on learning. Um, so, so I'm shy about this, this orgy of identification, as it were. Um, can I just interject quickly? There's, there's also an element of, you know, since we've talked so much about this anti-disinformation censorship era, a huge uh, emphasis in all that is to, is to get people to move to one side or the other, to, to be categorized. Yep. Uh, and we know that, uh, that this is something that, the, the, for instance, the intelligence services do. They'll, they will put out a fake account that puts out an outlandish opinion because they want to see how everybody reacts to it. Right. So, mm -hmm. uh, you will get 90% of the people condemning, but then there's a honey trap for that other 10%, um, who may respond to it in a different way. They become objects of surveillance or what, or whatever it is, or they become suppressed. Um, and so there's, uh, there's an inherent, um, I'm always suspicious of people prodding you to to raise your hand and say I'm I'm over here. Um, especially, uh, it, it, it's it's a way to on. it's it's a way to create friend and foe designations instantly, which are then used to manipulate you further. Uh, the fact is, in the wilderness or the jungle that is social media. It may be that there's a lot of false identification, which is used to get you to go along with certain people because, hey, you both have the same flag in, in your uh, bio. Um, right. Uh, these are, like I say, levers that are used to move humans around to stop thought rather than uh, nourish it. And... Uh, I, I, I resist the whole uh, movement toward visible shows of uh, support. Maybe that's because 
I learned as a child about the yellow star in Germany, you know, maybe because the idea that Jews in Germany were forced to identify as such almost against their will, pretty much against their will, uh, struck me and, as one and, of- and, and other categories and gypsies and homosexuals and- well, it, Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm descended- from gypsies. Uh, uh, I, I don't like the classification of human beings and thus the self-classification that's voluntary.